Hello and welcome to Connected, a podcast about people, ideas, marketing, technology and everything that's good. I'm ASD, a digital man here at Mediacom. Hello, hi, I'm Sue Uniman, Chief Transformation Officer. And I'm very excited to say that today we have Laura Thomas with us today. How are you doing, Laura? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good. I'm very happy right. to be speaking to you. Do you know what? No one ever asks us how we are, do they? Very kind of you. A few have, but it's, it, it, yeah. Uh, Laura is not only a media innovation director at Mediacom North, but she's also this year a 2020 campaign 30 under 30. So congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you so much. But before we get to that, what, what does a media innovation director do? Aren't all media, media directors innovation directors? Yeah, I think they probably are. They should be. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's a great question. And Andrew's just completely them. just made made your role redundant. But well, yeah. <laughs> well you know Sorry. what? It's a great timing. <laughs> I actually I have two roles at MediaCom. So I am media innovation director, but I'm also still head of paid social. So I run our paid social product and team for the North as well, which I've been doing for the last five years. Um, but the media innovation director role is um, an interesting one. It is about connecting comms planning to really interesting and exciting um, execution, specifically for pitches and new business and new clients and fresh briefs, mm. um, and then supporting the team and actually delivering that. And I think as well, um, one of the things that's really important is micro innovation, which sounds awful, um, but essentially when you have clients that are just booking the same BAU, it's about thinking about what's changed in those platforms. So what's changed in Google or in Facebook um, or what can you do slightly differently in your plan that you're comfortable with to make it more efficient? And then how do you measure the incremental benefit of innovating within what you do? Um, so that's sort of what I do, connecting suppliers to different suppliers and non-media suppliers and understanding how data can make um, investment a little bit more interesting and um, a little bit more exciting for clients and therefore drive better results um, for our clients' businesses. That's the role. But yes, everyone should be an innovation director, I think, if you're directing investment. That sounds absolutely brilliant. Um, in fact, I've got I've got something that I might um, need to ask you about um, in terms of media innovation. So expect some, con 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 some contact from me separately. Um, so you've had a, a, a range of heads of roles across um, lots of uh, digital disciplines. Do you think that that was um, necessary for your current role to have that experience? Yeah, I think I think it was. When you get really under the skin of different disciplines, whether that's display or social or digital media strategy, and really start to understand those things, but also be in a position where you are in relative control of what that strategy is and what the exciting ideas are um, it helps you to understand what's possible and push a team to push the boundaries of what's possible in those channels which is kind of where innovation happens and i think understanding digital from a variety of different perspectives so from a social perspective or a search perspective or a display perspective means that you can kind of notice places where things could join up but don't necessarily um, when someone is really siloed in their view of how a channel works. Um, so I think it has been really important and I think as well it gave me the opportunity to prove through a couple of different award-winning campaigns that I sort of ran the strategy on, specifically people like Misguided, that actually you can deliver massive innovation and award-winning innovation in channel. So imagine what you can do if you can run that across any channel and make everything connect together. And that's sort of where the role came from, really. Brilliant. And obviously the Misguided work was, was uh, 
uh, hugely award-winning, right? Yeah, really good, really good. So now let's talk about 30 Under 30. So how did you, how did it happen? How did you find out you were being nominated? How did you get to be so young? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it's really weird. It, um, it's basically, I turned 29 at Christmas. Um, and so you just scraped some, in. Yeah, just scraped in. Um, but there's a reason. So I first saw these lists when I was 19 and working in a PR agency and organising their magazines because that was what work experience people did then. Um, and I saw these lists and I said, I went home and I said to my dad, I was like, I'm going to be on one of those lists one day. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to be on one of those lists. Um, and he's an old ad man, not old, but he's been advertising for a long time. Um, and he just said, yeah, okay, well, you know, let's see. So um, I kind of, that sounds really bad. He was far more supportive than that. Um, but at that point I was a uh, one week into a work experience placement at a PR agency. So it felt to me like everything that I've, done through my 20s and all the decisions I've made were to try and ladder up to entering that and I think when I hit 29 it was like well this is this is it now this is the chance to do it and I remember being conscious of it the year before 28 and thinking I need to have a really great year so that when I hit 29 I can say to Paul and to Kerry I'd really like you to enter me for this look at what I've done over the last 12 months so it was a real conscious laddering up to getting there and understanding that the decisions I made day to day would impact whether or not I would be able to get onto the list and whether it would be worth worth entering for it. Um, so I asked, I think if you don't ask, you don't get. And I sort of said to um, my boss, you know, I've been here for five years. I'm working really hard. I think I'm doing some great stuff. Do you think it will be worth entering me for this? Because it's something that I've, I've wanted for a really long time. And she obviously was like, yes, obviously, of course we should. Let's do that. Um, and then we sort of went into lockdown and everything kind of Went a little bit crazy and the list sort of got put back and we didn't know what was going to be able to to be possible um but yeah it was um that's how that's how it sort of happened um so a real like conscious thing and then asking which i think is the advice that i'd give to anybody it should yeah. be a spur of the moment but really think about how you're going to get there i think so you've been thinking about it for 10 years yeah yeah, I think it was just one of those things that's on like a, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say vision board because I don't have one, but I think it was on my Pinterest board. It was that sort of like, are this you, is where are I'm... You a, are you a planner in that sense? Are you somebody who goes, by this point, I want to have done this by this point? Because we, we do find as we kind of interview different people, there are some people who are very clear about their ambitions. I'm going to be this by this. I'm going to be this by this. And then there's other people. And, and probably Andrew and I fall on completely opposing things of this, which is Andrew's you do have those kind of sort of sort of set things or you used to. I whereas used to. I just wander around going, oh, this is cool. I'll do this. Are you are you a, are you a more of a um, planner in that sense? I think I was before I started. Ironically, given that I am a planner, but, you know, <laughs> I think I was. Um, and then I think when I joined Mediacom after I I joined as a social media manager um which was to set up something new and I got promoted I think within about nine months to head of display which was the whole team that the social team sat as part of um which was crazy so it was something that happened way faster than I expected it to and that was the point at which I thought oh actually maybe my time scales are off let's forget those I think this was probably the only thing that ended up being time bound just because of the nature of the list um yes yeah, yeah. No, no, you can you've got a lot of time on the 40 under 40s yes yeah. i've got plenty um, of time for that 
Just specifically for anyone out there who wants to know how to literally how to enter, if they're thinking about being 30 under 30 next year, what, what, what do they need to do? So this year was slightly different. Usually you would make a video um, and you'd put in different endorsements and bits and pieces in the video. This year it was just a written submission. So you write about your achievements in the media industry. You write about what you hope to do in the next 12 months, in the next five years. And then you have um, an endorsement or a series of endorsements from people that work with you or for you. So um, Lauren, who works works with me, she wrote that for me. She's been working with me for four and a half years now. So I think she's got a fairly good, fairly good set. And then you get a senior endorsement as well, which Paul wrote. So um, you have so I, that sort I guess of... I'll ask your line manager, is that yeah, a good... I think speak to, your, speak to your line manager. And I think have a real understanding of... Um, what you've achieved and why that's amazing. It has and be to be able more to, than your day job, right? Yeah, I think, and know how to sell yourself in it as well, internally as well as, as when you actually write that. Um, because it's really difficult when you write the first draft, you sort of think, oh my God, I sound, you sound awful because you're just talking about how great you are. Um, but that is what you have to do to be able to justify I whether or not you I are. I have a tip for that, which is that um, to write about yourself in the third person, and then you can change it back. But I find it easier to kind of go, see, blah, 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 achieve this, 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 rather than go, I do. And, it's, uh, yeah. and then, of course, you have to switch it back, which is a bit embarrassing. But if you think of yourself in the third person, it can kind of help. I wish I'd thought of that before I wrote it. I think it would have saved me a lot of tearing out of my hair. <laughs> That's a great tip. Definitely do that. The, the video was when I entered the video was awful I hated it because I had to answer a question on how to market to millennials and so I thought you know I'll do it in um, vertical format and I did it in selfie mode which was great which it stood out and that was the one thing that people commented on because no one else did that for some reason but I did 120 takes like I, I wore down the battery with three different devices it was awful and it was during and we had to enter during the time I was in some off-site like I was in training for five days out, off the outside the office so I was I was locked by the sea so I used to get up early because training started so I used to get up at five and then but I just couldn't get it down I couldn't get it perfect and eventually I just did it at home in one take it was really annoying um how did you find out you won and how did it feel um it was probably the moment that I've missed being in the office the most all Aww. I could think was oh my god I wish I had this email when I was in the office yeah. um but, but say, it don't felt tell yeah they did they told me about I think it was like five to five the night before it was going to be announced oh, so no I think way. they sort of say like yeah so it was it was right before like on the yeah. line so I think people would have probably missed the email I think maybe it was just after five um I did tell my mum and dad I'd had a really terrible week up until that point so it just oh. felt like the best in the world um my mum burst into tears she was oh. in school she's a teacher so she's been working through lockdown um and my dad, was just dad must have been very proud I'm sure you reminded him of when you yeah. said it 10 years ago I know yeah I did he was um it was actually the next morning I was on client calls all day so I was sort of not really aware of when it was being released and suddenly I was on a call with a client and my dad was ringing me incessantly to wait and call <laughs> him back afterwards and he was like have you posted it on LinkedIn yet I'm like like posted what and he's like the, the, the article's up post it on LinkedIn um, and it was because he'd been trying to post it and my mum said no you can't share that before Laura does because oh. it's not fair that you are breaking that news for her that's not very okay. socially media aware parents as well mm, I have <laughs> yeah they're very digital <laughs> bless them 
so yeah it was it just felt like um the most exciting the most like fulfilling thing and then you sort of think well it's six months now until I'm 30 what am I going to do in that period of time if all of this well that brings, me to, the, brings me to the next yeah. question which is what's next so um hopefully return to the office at some point in the next couple of months that would be fantastic missing, missing yeah I am um, I really miss um I really miss people I miss the drama of it all but I don't think that will be the same when you have to walk in a one-way system so you're not going to have the same sort of dramatic pacing around um but I yeah I really miss being in the office but what I've kind of done to sort of fill the gap um, at the moment is I'm doing a women's leadership course with Saeed Business School so that's just looking at negotiation and sort of reflecting on um, on yeah where I've come what I've done over the last five years and what I need to do to get to sort of take a next step um, and then I'm kind of contemplating doing a bit of a disruptive digital strategy course there that I've heard amazing things about as well so I might be able to get that one in before Christmas too um, but just try and upskill a little bit as I'm spending more time out of the office um, and see what else I can learn so that in January I'm in a position to say okay so this is what what might be next this is what I think we can think of as we start to think about restructuring and new visions and all of that good stuff so, yeah brilliant super exciting yeah, yeah, really exciting. Really, really yeah. exciting. Uh, on to our regular questions now. What is your favourite line from a poem, a song or a book? So I have a line from a poem. Um, it's quite a short poem, but the line on its own sounds silly without the context. Do you mind if I read you the actual poem? It's only 12 lines. Is that we had okay? a whole poem the other day, didn't we? Mind you, yeah. that went off for ages. <laughs> It's it's better be short, Laura. That's all I'm saying. We can't, okay. we can't continually allow people. So if someone stops really doing it, right. so it's by Wendy Cope and it's called The Orange. And my favourite line is the last line. So it goes like this. At lunchtime, I bought a huge orange. The size of it made us all laugh. I peeled it and shared it with Robert and Dave. They got quarters and I had a half. And that orange, it made me so happy, as ordinary things often do. Just lately, the shopping, a walk in the park. This is peace and contentment. It's new. The rest of the day was quite easy. I did all my jobs on my list and enjoyed them and had some time over. I love you. I'm glad I exist. And it's just... I love that. I love that. Yeah. I, mean, I love Wendy Coat. I'm so glad you've... It's the first time she's been read out on uh, the podcast. It's, it's brilliant. And I think that feeling grateful for really ordinary things is something that I've become much more aware of during the last, um, uh, how many, ever many months it's been now. So that's lovely. I think, I think it went viral at the beginning of lockdown um, and everyone was talking about it and posting it on Instagram and I saw it. And at that point I was really struggling to be honest. And I think I read it and I thought, if I save this now, when I start to feel that again, this poem will mean more to me then knowing that I read it when I wasn't particularly glad and now I am. And now that I am, I think it just means a million times more. So it's, yeah, it's my favourite and I'm just, I'm glad you let me read the whole thing. <laughs> um, if you were a genie, what five commonly available objects would I have to put in a magic circle to summon you? Which I might well do for a bit of innovation. Yeah, feel free. It's fairly easy, the ones I've gone for, I think. Um, chocolate buttons never okay. more than a meter away from a packet of chocolate buttons i think 
um, some statement trainers, something like either big and ugly and chunky or something quite dramatic. Um, I love a dramatic trainer. Yeah, so much more comfortable than any type of heel, I think. Oh, um, yeah. Always. Uh, a hairbrush, which is always close to me because I've got too much hair. Um, a black Americano, always. And probably my iPhone as well, if I'm allowed to have an iPhone. An You're iPhone. allowed to have an iPhone. Yeah. An iPhone, yeah. yeah. Um, I think those would be the things that would summon me. So it shouldn't be too difficult to get yeah, me that's to... That's good, that's good. Yeah, early achievable. <laughs> oh, we can see you now, and you're not in your home. You're in, a, in, in God's country, you're in South Wales. Yes. But it, what three things in your flat have been giving you comfort in these social distancing times, assuming that your dogs are already doing so? They, they are, although one of them was a very young puppy at the beginning of lockdown. So comfort is only available when he's been sleeping the rest of the time uh, it's been <laughs> quite an effort but I think the first one is really really lame so forgive me but I think it's my microwave so <laughs> obviously I live on my own so there's no one to cook you dinner um, so when you've had a really busy day and you've been on calls all day the microwave essentially turns into your like electric boyfriend to make you a nice bowl of soup at the end of the day with some other advantages over an actual boyfriend. I mean, yeah. you know, we could have that conversation separately. But yeah. yeah, we can talk about that with the innovation. Um, yeah, I um, think that's, that's <laughs> the The second, um, I don't know if you guys have been to the Manchester office, I'm sure you have, but we have a barista, Coffee Chris, probably not his given name, but if it is, I don't know what else we expect him to do with his life. Um, he's incredible, but I think he's probably the colleague that I miss the most. So I've mm. got a coffee machine fairly early into lockdown, a really nice mm. coffee machine. So I think that's been giving me um, comfort, but also energy. Yeah. And then the last one is a bit bougie, um, but in April I ordered myself a Peloton bike because I wasn't able to kind of exercise or work out enough. Um, and it arrived in May and it's just been the most amazing thing to spend my money on ever you feel like you're investing time in yourself every time you use it and um it feels like the people that you work out with the trainers feels like they're your friends and they're in your home and that feels mm. like quite nice as well um so and yeah, I guess I those the cost are... of it means that you have to do it because otherwise you feel guilty it's one of those kind of bougie yeah. but kind of you, you've spent the money so you need to kind of have to yeah do you think about it like at the end of the month as so I think so if it was this much this month and how much oh, was it per yeah. cycle but, I, yeah. um, but I've used it loads and seen some amazing results from it as well so um that's been yeah a really really great sort of investment I think um and comfort but also actual physical pain when you go too hard because you're having too much fun <laughs> um there's a, there's the quote when you go too hard because you're having too much fun um, if you could change the industry in one way right now, we are giving you the power. Laura, okay. what would you do? So outside of a lockdown context, um, I had yeah. to answer this question for my 30 under 30. Uh, I think the thing that I would do um, would be less centering of social events around alcohol. Um, I went mm -hmm. sober about 18 months ago and mm -hmm. it's been completely transformative for me professionally. And the more I read, the more I think about the young people coming into the business and then just being surrounded by free drinks because it's the nature of, of what we do and how damaging that can be to their, like their mental health, but also their professional opportunities as well. I think it can be, I've seen firsthand that it can, it can wreck things for you and I don't want that. And I think 
for um, for people from minorities or um, where we want to have diversity of thought in a business, having social events that centre around alcohol aren't great for people who don't drink because they culturally it's not a thing for them because they have young children and it's insane or because they're older and they know better. So it means that you end up with this subculture of... I completely know, agree with you. Um, and on the, I, I mean, on the microaggressions um, training that I did, because obviously microaggressions workshops are going on, um, one of the things um, that I raised was that I'd heard from somebody that their line manager had said to them, if you don't go to the pub, you won't get promoted. It's kind of, what? Oh, my God. It's insane. And, and you know, if that's, that's, uh, if that's what people are thinking, then it almost makes it true. But, I mean, it's definitely not true. And um, I, I applaud you for raising that because I, I have seen over my career, I've seen people have their lives ruined by not being able to kick a habit that seems fun when you're 23 but when you're yeah. 43 is not funny um so that's yeah, a really good call but in good lockdown call. the change i would make would be that everyone would have high-speed wi-fi because <laughs> yeah i think yeah the difficulty on calls when someone drops out and you miss something and then you miss someone asking about the thing that they missed. It's just, yeah, too stressful. I think we'd all be more efficient if everybody had better internet connection. <laughs> so the other way, if we had internet for only half the day, good internet for half the day, so you saved up all your internet, you spent it in the first half of the day and then you had to be offline, so you had to do work rather than being on calls. That would be even more efficient. Yeah, How that's a better that be? idea than mine. That, yeah, what ASD said, forget mine. High speed internet for the mornings and then How no internet for the afternoons. Oh, that is the dream. No internet, no I'm kids. Cancel all of my afternoon meetings now. And if anyone yeah. asks why, you have to listen to this podcast. Yeah. Love that. Uh, if we were to give you a billboard, where would you put it and what would it say? Uh, this has probably been the hardest one to think about because um, there's so much that you feel like you would want to say at this point. So I think somewhere near. Westminster, somewhere high traffic for politicians. Um, and I saw something, I would put anything from the Choose Love Instagram, which I think anyone should follow. I think what's happening at the moment in the channel is horrific. Um, but they posted something yesterday, I think, over the last couple of days that said, when you have more than you need, build a bigger table, not a higher wall. Absolutely. And I think that's what we need to do. <laughs> um, and I think, yeah. Asking me today, I think that's what I would put on there. But also, Black Lives Matter. And to finish us off, we're going to have the cards. We've got the card box back. So, Sue, if you could pick out three. And, Laura, if you could choose one. Very excited. Very excited because I don't normally get to pick the cards. OK, here's three cards. Right, middle, left. I'll take left, please. Great. Uh, OK, interesting. In what respects are you still the same person you were as a child? Um... I'm still a redhead, although artificially now. Um, <laughs> I think um, probably um, it's a really interesting question. I think I'm still really curious. Mm -hmm. um, I think I'm still, I think we sort of talked about this before. So my dad was in advertising when I was a kid. So I was learning to rollerblade at McCann in Manchester around that big swimming pool. I've been walking through ad agencies since I was a kid and used to play dad's office on a toy computer when most kids would be playing TIG, which is pathetic, but I think I'm still the same person there. <laughs> um, 
and yeah, still really curious and interested in other people and how things work. Um, and I think one of the things I got criticised for when I was younger, maybe not a child, was being too focused on um, the big picture of things that I was trying to do at school. Um, and that was a real criticism when I was at school, was not being able to sort of focus when I was thinking about something in a bigger sense. I think I'm still that person, but I have built a job and a career off focusing it's on a bigger policy. picture yeah. and detail. So I'm probably the same, but it's actually finally matured into something useful. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's Yeah. That's lovely. Thank you, Laura. Great to talk Thank to you. Thank you very much, Laura.